Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We are one church with two locations, and with the help of our online service, reaching the people around the world. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. You can partner with us by sharing this video or clicking the Give link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. Sing that praise.
Hey church. Good. It's good to see you. It's great to be with you. For those of you I have not yet had the privilege of meeting, my name is Andrew Irwin and I get to be one of the pastors here at The Vine. And I don't know about you, but I spent yesterday acting like a little kid in the snow. Anybody else? Yeah. How many of you won your snowball fight? Anybody? Yeah. All right. That's good. I'm proud of you. I pegged a lot of kids in my neighborhood. It was awesome. Like I had a lot of fun out there. I don't know about you, but like when I see that white fluffy stuff like falling from the sky, I just get really excited. But I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm more excited about kicking off this message series this morning than I was about the snow yesterday. And that really, really says something. And the reason I'm so excited this morning is we're gonna be talking about finances. And listen, I'm like you. I've heard the same things that you have about pastors talking about money. I know all of the rules of things that you're not supposed to talk about. Like I'm keenly aware of the fact that you are not supposed to talk about religion and politics. But over the next three weeks, we're gonna be talking about Jesus and your Ben Franklins, okay? Like that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And here's why. I think we can all agree on this truth that Dave Ramsey said. He said, money's fun if you got some. Here's the problem. Many people in America don't got some and they're not having a whole lot of fun right now at all. In fact, I read a recent article from Forbes that said 78% of working Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Listen, that's not fun because when you're in that scenario, here's what that feels like. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. And when it does, it's going to not just be a speed bump to your finances, it's going to be a cliff for your finances, right? Like we're talking like any medical expenses that pop up, any car issues that pop up, any home issues that pop up, all of a sudden you're in a bind. Like money's only fun if you've got some. And here's what I'm convinced of. The people in our country who are living paycheck to paycheck don't want to be living paycheck to paycheck, which is why in this series, we're going to be talking about some steps that you can take to develop some margin for your money, or in other words, some breathing room. All right. And, and so I'm, I'm excited about this series, but I, I just I have to give you a caveat up front. And here's the caveat you can actually still develop some margin for your money. You can still have breathing room if you've, done, if you've done dumb things with your money. Because I've done a lot of dumb things with my money. Like I remember when I, I bought my first big boy car. It wasn't my first car. My first car was a hand-me-down from my dad. And then I upgraded from that car by buying my grandmother's old car. 
Nothing like nothing like nothing feels cool like when you're driving in your granny's old car that she wanted to upgrade from, right? Like like that's not a good place to be. And so after a few years of driving grandma's car around, I decided that I needed some new wheels. Like I needed them. And so, so I did what most of us do. I went to the dealer and I, I told him how much money I made. Um, I was at that point a um, college student and I was working as an assistant to the youth minister. I was the Dwight Schrute of youth ministry, right? Like, like assistant to the youth pastor. And I was making a whopping $15,000 a year. I mean, raking it in, people. Like, I mean, just loaded. And so the cool thing was they got me this awesome ride and I drove off from that lot um, owing $16,000 in car debt. Just to repeat, I was making $15,000 a year and now had $16,000 in car payments. Like, I, I look back on that, I'm like, how did that even happen? And the reality is, I remember going through the next few years of college feeling like I had a rock on my chest, feeling like I had no breathing room in my finances, and it was just really, really hard. And so what I want to do this morning is just like walk us through some steps of things that we can do to develop that kind of breathing room that we need. And for those of you who are sitting in your seats going, oh, come on, like preacher, like you're going to really talk to us about money. Like why, why do pastors have to talk about money? Listen, let me just put this out there for you. The reason we're going to talk about money this morning is because Jesus talked about money a lot. In fact, if you read through the gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, if you read through those, one in 10 verses is about money and possessions. In fact, Jesus primarily taught his disciples using what he called parables, which were fictional stories that make a factual statement. So he would kind of tell these like stories about the way we should live based on things that could really like make sense to us. Two thirds of the parables that Jesus taught had to do with money and possessions. Jesus talked about this a lot. And you're probably going, well, that's because he was always asking for money. He wasn't. He asked for money one time anywhere in the gospels. And you know why he did that? It was a sermon illustration. And I'm pretty sure he probably gave it back after he was done holding it up for everyone to see. And so if he wasn't asking for money, why was he talking about money so much? Because he knew, he knew that we would all have this temptation to spend ourselves into a place where we have no margin and we feel like we're suffocating, which is exactly where many of us are. And I know that because I've read some of the stats. In fact, I'm gonna read some of them to you this morning. Um, did you know that in the state of Georgia, the average Georgian has 107% of their annual income in debt? Now, listen, I'm not good at math, but that's not good, okay? Like, that's not a good thing. When you have more consumer debt than you make in a year, it's not good. Remember, we already talked about how I did that as Dwight Schrute of youth ministry, right? Like, it wasn't good for me to do that. It's not good for you to do that either. Like it's not a helpful thing. And what's really staggering to me is that a big chunk of that money that we have in debt, it's credit card debt. Listen, that's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of golf. That's, that's a lot of lattes. That's a lot of getting your nails done. Okay, and listen, I'm not knocking on getting your nails done. I was actually pretty pumped when um, they opened a new nail salon down Highway 211, just a couple miles from here. 
if you if you want to see it, it's it's the one located directly across from the other two new nail salons on Highway 211. And you know why they can keep opening nail salons? Because we keep spending money, regardless of the fact that we have 107% of our annual income in debt. And and listen, I'm not I'm not trying to throw ladies under the bus, but I do just word from your pastor, ladies. Um, I've never once met a guy who was who would consider himself a, a nails man. I've never met a guy who was like, bro, did you see the nails on her? <laughs> Not once. Oh, man, she got her fingertips. You see the tips on the end? <laughs> Guys aren't checking out your fingernails. You do that for you, not for them. Just saying, okay? That's, that's neither here nor there, okay? Now, what I do think is important for us to recognize is that, like, for a lot of us in our country... All we've ever known is this suffocating feeling when it comes to our finances because the average college graduate is leaving school with over $30,000 in student loans. That's a lot of money. And because we've never known what it was like to be able to breathe, we've never had any breathing room. Now, I, I I wanna really get this to make sense to y'all this morning. And so I'm gonna do my best to connect the principles we're gonna talk about to the exact words that Jesus spoke. And so if you brought your Bibles or have a Bible app, I'm gonna invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter six. We're gonna jump into Matthew six, verse 24. And those of you who have studied your Bible probably are familiar with the fact that Matthew six is situated right in the middle of Jesus's most famous sermon he ever taught. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And we're gonna look at just one verse from it today because in this one verse, we're gonna see everything that we need to know about how we should be looking at our finances. And so we're gonna read again from Matthew chapter six, verse 24. And it says this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, just to be clear, it does not say you should not serve God and money. It says you cannot serve God and money. You just can't do it. Now, what I find fascinating about this scripture is that like, if you had asked me how Jesus was going to fill in the blank on that statement, I wouldn't have gone with money. Like you cannot serve God and like I would have thought, well, maybe you can't serve God and power. You can't serve God and popularity. You can't serve God and another person. When I was growing up, I would have assumed that you cannot serve God and the devil, right? But here's, here's the thing. Many, many Christians, or at least most Christians I know, aren't walking around going, hmm, so today do I serve God or the devil? Hmm, God or the devil, God or the devil. Like there's not really like a question for most people on that. But I know a lot of Christians who inadvertently go, you know what, I'm gonna serve God. And they end up serving their money. And before you get mad at me and start throwing things at me, let me, let me just give you some examples of how easy it is for you to find yourself serving your money. Listen, if you have ever bought something you didn't need with money you didn't have to impress someone you don't like, then you are serving your money. And it's so easy to do. If you've ever found yourself working long hours and not being home with your family for dinner, on a consistent basis over and over and over again so that you can climb the corporate ladder, you are serving your money. And listen, I'm not trying to throw stones at you because I've done all of these things and I've had to work on all of these things. But what I want you to hear is that when we recognize the fact that we're serving our money, we can come to a very simple conclusion. 
We weren't made to serve our money. We were made to serve our God. In fact, our God, who is the giver of everything that exists, has given us our money so that it can actually serve us as we serve God. Your money was given to you by God to serve you as you serve God. But so often we end up looking at our money as the thing that we have to serve. And we lose sight of the fact that we are actually created to serve God. And some of you are going, whoa, whoa, whoa. How can my money serve me? A lot of ways. Let me give you a couple of tangible examples. Your money can serve you by giving you time. How many of you have ever had a car wash? Car wash? Yeah, anybody? Yeah? Yeah. So you could have washed your car, correct? Maybe not as well as the car wash, but you could have gotten out there and scrubbed your car. You could have, but you didn't. And because you didn't, you ended up with extra time. Time that you could spend with your family, time that you could spend in the office, time that you could spend serving in your community, right? If you've ever hired somebody to mow your grass, you probably could have mowed your own grass, but by not mowing your grass, what did you pick up? Some extra time. If you have ever used the peach patch lane on I-85 to get out of the purgatory of Atlanta traffic, what did you actually use your money to do? Your money served you by giving you time, right? All right, you're trying to go with me. Another way that your money can serve you is by giving you options. Your money can give you options, right? Like, like, let me give you an example. If you've got just a little bit of money, you can go on vacation to your in-law's house and sleep on the couch, right? If you got a little bit more money, you could drive yourself to the beach and stay in a hotel. You got a lot more money, you can fly to Hawaii and take your pastor with you. I'm just saying, like, money provides you with options, right? Like, it does, because your money was designed to serve you as you serve God. But in order for you to recognize that your money was designed to serve you, then you, then you need to have these three values in mind. So we're going to walk through three values that can help you create some breathing room in your finances. And here's the first value you got to pay attention to. It's self-control. You got to pay attention to self-control. Now, I didn't hear any amens, any woos, any excitement about talking about self-control. And that's fine. I, I get that this isn't the most exciting topic in the world, but I just want you to hear that I didn't come up with this. Okay, let's listen to Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. All right, so if you don't have self-control in your finances, and a little thing comes your way, you don't have any protection to stop it. So you are defenseless against anything that pops up in your life. You are vulnerable to stepping into debt because you don't have any protection in place. And here's the, here's the reason we end up in, in the situation where we're living paycheck to paycheck. It's because we, we lack self-control because within each and every one of us is a little kid. That's why we got so excited to peg the other kids in the neighborhood yesterday with snowballs, right? Like within each of us is a little kid. And you know what little kids do? They see something, they want something, or they throw a fit, right? See it, want it. If I don't get it, I throw a fit. That's, that's what little kids do. I think we've all seen this. We've experienced it. And, and here's the problem. Many of us are, are living like little kids. We see it. We want it. If we don't get it, we throw a fit. And sometimes the way we throw a fit as adults is by going into debt to get it. Now, 
I've, I find it fascinating that psychologists have done research on like what leads to the greatest, like what are the greatest indicators of a person's future success with their finances? And like number one on the list is delayed gratification. It's like if you have a child that's willing to delay their gratification, like say, I want something, but I'm gonna wait to get it. That's a great indicator of future success in finances, which is why I'm very concerned about my own children. Because see, I have an eight-year-old son, Joshua, who has a Nintendo Switch. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's like a really cool new Game Boy, okay? And so like, he's got his Nintendo Switch that he loves. And we have to put like hard limits on how much time he gets. He gets one hour a day and then the thing shuts down because he would be on it all the time if we let him. And one day he came home from school and we had to like go to piano right after school. And so he didn't have time to really play his Switch. But he got real upset when we said, there's no time for your Switch. Like real upset. And I said, all right, buddy, here's your options. You can play your Nintendo Switch right now for six minutes. And that's all you get for the rest of the day. So you can have your six minutes for the entire day right now, or you can wait till after piano. And then you can have a full 60 minutes of switch time. You know what he opted for? Six minutes. He picked six minutes of switch time instead of 60 minutes of switch time because he couldn't delay his gratification. And you laugh, but I watch people do this all the time as grown-ups. They go to the store and they see the latest piece of technology. And what do they do? Well, I want it, so I'm going to get it. And they go ahead and buy it. Or, or they go to the store and they see the latest uh, fashion designs that have come out. I want it, so I'm going to get it. Doesn't matter if I can pay for it or not. I want it, I'm going to get it. And I'm going to get it now. But it's not just small things like tech or, or clothes that we do this with. We do this with big things. We go down the road and we see somebody driving a new ride. We need that new car and we need it now. We go to our friend's house because they just moved into the bigger house and we look at their bigger house and we go, I need it and I need it now. Here's the problem. When we do that and we exhibit an inability to have delayed gratification, we get ourselves into a whole bunch of trouble. And those things that we want, and listen, I'm not opposed to you wanting the latest tech or the newest clothes or the nicer car, the bigger house. I'm not opposed to any of those things, but here's what I'm telling you. If you can't delay your gratification, those things that you just look at and you go, man, that's going to be such a big blessing. It's not a blessing. It ends up being a curse. It's a curse that you'll be paying for month after month, year after year on your credit card statement. Listen, I want you to win financially, which means that you gotta operate with self-control. That's your first value you gotta have. And here's the second value that you've gotta have in your finances if you're gonna carve out some breathing room, right? You've got to be willing, gotta be willing to sacrifice. Once again, I didn't, I didn't hear any cheers or amens for that. Not, nobody was like, all right, I wanna sacrifice more of my finances, right? Like that doesn't fire us up and I, I, I get it. But I would argue that sacrifice is like at the heart of who we are as a people. Like as followers of Jesus, sacrifice is key to us. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Right? What was this joy set before Jesus that allowed him to endure the agony of the cross. What was it? It's the fact that he knew his sacrifice was pleasing to God. 
It was the fact that he knew that through his sacrifice, you and I would be able to come into a right relationship with God the Father. And because of that, he had joy in his sacrifice. And we've got to get to a point where we are comfortable having joy in our sacrifices. And I think a lot of times we misunderstand what the word sacrifice means. And so let me just kind of define that for you. Sacrifice is where you give up something you value to get something you value more. You give up something you value to get something you value more. And listen, we do this all the time on a regular basis. Like I know, I know some people who, you know, they, they love going out to eat. It's something they value. I don't know if it's that they value not doing the dishes, they value not having to cook, but they value going out to eat. They go out to eat all the time. But then when something comes along, another opportunity that they value, like sending their kid to a summer camp or signing up for a new sport or a new program for their child, they'll say, ah, oh, we just, we don't have the money to do that. And I'm looking at them going, man, if you just ate out like one time less a week, you'd have the money to do just that. You'd have to be willing to let go of something you value to get something you value more, something for your kids. Or, or, or we can get even a little more personal now that nobody's looking at me, everybody's looking at the ground. Um, we can get a little more personal and say, like, I talk to people all the time who tell me like, well, you know, I or my spouse have this dream. Like, I've got this dream of starting a new business. I've got this dream of staying at home, being a full-time stay-at-home parent. I've got this dream of doing this thing, but we just can't do it. And I look at them, I'm like, well, would you be willing to give up your big house to do that thing that really matters to you? Would you be willing to give up your big car, your big car payment to do that thing that really matters to you? Because if you really wanna win in your finances, you got to be willing to sacrifice things that you value. I'm not saying you value those things less. I'm saying that you got to be willing to give up something of value to get something that's of even greater value to you. If you're a college student and you're going, man, I, I value my, my personal space. I value not having roommates. Listen, I lived with crazy roommates. I'm with you on that. But I had roommates. Why? Because I valued my space, but I was willing to give it up in order to get through school debt free. And we've gotta be willing to make sacrifices to win. And you can win big time financially, but you gotta be willing to sacrifice to do it. And so that brings us to our third and final value that you gotta have if you're gonna win in your finances, if you're gonna create that money margin that you need or that breathing room that we're talking about. And that is strategy. You gotta have strategy. Now, did you know that Jesus talked about financial strategy? Listen to these words from Luke chapter 14, verse 28. It says this, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? So if you're going to build something, you got to make sure you have enough money to build it. Like you wouldn't start a project if you didn't know you could complete it. Just like you wouldn't buy something if you didn't have enough money to pay for it right? Like you've got to make sure up front that you've got a strategy in place for how you're going to pay for it. And this is a big deal because in the financial world, there's this, there's this issue called opportunity cost, right? And what that means is that if you spend a dollar on something, you can't, you can't spend that same dollar on something else. So like I can't go to the movies and then try to take the, movie, the money I spent on the movies and pay for my mortgage, right? Like I've already spent that money, that money is gone. I, I can't pay for my taxes and then turn around and use that same money to, to pay for my trip that I've got coming up. Like you can only spend your money one time. 
And so we've got to have a strategy for how we're going to spend it. And because many of us don't operate with the strategy, you know what ends up happening? We wander into debt. And here's the crazy thing. You can easily wander into debt, but you can't ever wander out of debt. Nobody, nobody who wanders into debt wanders on out of it. You know how you get out of debt? You have a strategy. And I, I, know, I, know, I know this is like a bad word, but do you know what most people call their strategy? It starts with the B, budget. And I know, I know, man, that, that a lot of people are like, budget, I don't want to budget. Budgets are restrictive. Budgets tell me I can't do the things I want to do when I want to do them. I'm like, mm-hmm, that's right, they do, right? Because your budget is telling you how you can create breathing room in your financial life. And if you're here this morning and you're going, man, this is all well and good for you to say up there, preacher, like, like, it's all fine and dandy for you to stand up there and, and act like this is not a big, hard thing. Listen, it is a big, hard thing for me. But to, so that you can hear it from somebody else in a congregation, we actually sat down and interviewed a, a family in our church. And, and it's a family that's right in the middle of trying to get out of debt. They've actually been working on paying off debt for a year and a half, and it's been hard. It's required them to have a whole lot of self-control, make a lot of sacrifices, and to really have a clear-cut strategy. And I'm actually going to let you hear their story. Check this video out. Uh, my name is Kyle Hatley. And I'm Allie Hatley. So uh, we've been married for seven years now. It'll be eight <laughs> in September. When we both uh, graduated from college, we thought we had finally made it. You know, we both had jobs. We were making this money, and um, we were just normal. We had student loan debt. Um, we were on the hunt for some new vehicles. And then after a few years of just doing normal, we kind of realized that, man, we're, we're both working so hard and um, you know, all our money is coming in and going straight out towards all this debt. I don't really know how we got onto it necessarily, but I started listening to um, Dave Ramsey uh, podcast. Both of our parents had kind of told us about uh, the total money makeover, and you know, you had the book sitting as a coaster on your coffee table. Never cracked uh, it open. Yeah, never <laughs> cracked it open. Um, but listening to the podcast, uh, it was just really inspiring because you'd hear these people that you know they made less money than we did and had you know just as much debt, and they were getting out of debt in you know two three years. So that really kind of um, sparked us to really take a deeper dive into our finances and see where our money was going and what could we cut, what could we sacrifice. One thing that um, Dave Ramsey always says is broke people can't help broke people. To have that financial peace, to have that um, freedom so we can be generous. So that's kind of where our journey is and we're right in the thick of it right now. Um, we've been paying off debt for about a year and a half now. Um, we've made a lot of headway. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. And yeah, I mean, it is a sacrifice um, on both fronts. Um, but I was kind of, you know, you, you, we had some scary moments, you know, I think everyone gets to um, the end of the month or whatever and you're like, where did our money go? Um, so when he started talking about Dave Ramsey, you know, I had heard heard of him, and we certainly had his book. You know, I was like, okay, let's let's make some changes. Um, I want I want some security. I want to feel good about where we're going, and you know, be good stewards of what we have. So it's it's been a journey. It is a journey. You know, like you said, we're still in the thick of it, but I'm really thankful and really proud of the progress we've made and where where we're going. 
And again, you know, it's easy to sit there and be a victim. Uh, but you know, you just gotta choose to be a victor. Uh, you know, you make those sacrifices now so that in the future um, you're able to kind of do what you want to do financially and, and ultimately it's, you know, it's God's money um, and we just want to be good stewards of that and uh, kind of, you know, do what we can. It's easy to be a victim, but you got to choose to be a victor. That's really good. And my hope is that's really encouraging to you. And I specifically want to speak to the people this morning. You came in this morning and finances were already on your mind because finances are tight. In fact, you couldn't, you can't even remember a time when finances weren't on your mind because it's just been a struggle over and over and over, month after month, year after year. Where are we going to have enough money? Where, how are we going to make ends meet? What if this happens? Listen, if that's where you are, I want to encourage you this morning. My hope is not that you leave here with a sense of shame or guilt about what you've done in your past. Listen, we've all done dumb things with our money. The good news is God's far less interested in your past than he is in your future. And just because you've made past mistakes does not mean you're disqualified for God's future for your life. He has huge plans for you. And he wants you to live an abundant life. And the abundant life that Jesus created you for has nothing to do with not being able to breathe and not being able to sleep at night because you're so stressed out about your finances. Listen, God wants to lead you to a place of financial freedom. He wants to lead you to a place where you have margin for your money, that you do have breathing room. And that's why this is not a series where we want something from you. This is a series where we want something for you, which is why we're gonna wrap up this morning with a couple of opportunities for you to take tangible steps to begin carving out breathing room into your finances. And, and here's the first one. Our church treasurer is a guy named Pat Jarvis. And Pat is a Dave Ramsey certified financial counselor who will meet with anybody in our congregation for free. All you gotta do is send him an email. His email is pat at connecttothevine.org. Just send Pat an email. He has met with countless families in our congregation to have conversations with them about how they can create breathing room in their finances. If you're struggling or if you just have questions about whether you're on the right path, sit down with Pat and have a conversation with him. He will give you a peace of mind and he will help you have confidence to take the steps to move forward in a way that you will end up with breathing room. It's a simple step you can take. And if you're here this morning and you're going, man, I, I don't think I need to meet with Pat or maybe I already have met with Pat and the problem is not knowing what to do, it's actually doing it. If you've ever been there, I've definitely been there knowing what I needed to do and not actually done it. If that's where you are this morning, I just wanna encourage you that maybe, maybe you need the same kind of tool that I use in my family. When, when my wife and I sit down to do our monthly budget, we use a tool called the Every Dollar app it's a free app. You can get it on your computer. You can get it on your smartphone and you can actually put your budget in there and track it as you go along all month long so that you don't have a month where you have more month than you have money, right? So this is a very helpful tool that's been a, a blessing to me. Again, I, I don't get any like commission for that. I'm just saying it's completely free. And so I hope that you can maybe take advantage of that. But the most important thing I want you to hear this morning is that this whole series and this this message this morning, it's really not a message about your salary. This is really a message about your soul. You are loved. 
You are chosen, not forsaken. And God has a good plan for your life. And that plan does not include the agony of not knowing where the money's gonna come from every single month. That's not what God has in mind when he looks at you and he looks at your future. What God has in mind for you is a plan for you to step into an abundant future where you have breathing room, where if things come up, it's an inconvenience, not a catastrophe. That's what he created you for. And you can take the steps to get there. And listen, if you're not sure how you can take those steps, I can't think of a better first step for you to take than to step into a relationship with Jesus, the author of life, and allow him to walk with you into financial freedom. I'm not saying that following Jesus will instantly take away all of your debt or take away all of your stress, your struggles, but what it will do is allow you to know that you're never alone as you take this journey of life. You'll know every step of the way that you are valued and loved just as you are, that you are not defined by the dumb things you've done in the past, that you are a child of God and nothing will ever change that. And you can step into that relationship with Jesus right now. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you begin to journey with Jesus, the Prince of Peace, you will experience a sense of peace and relief in your life because Jesus is gonna lead you to a place where you've got breathing room. And he wants to start leading you there right now. I'm caught up in your presence. Oh, I just wanna sit here I'm caught up in this holy moment. Never Oh, I'm not here for play. 
I forgot 